From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. Today's show, if music be the food of love. Like many cities, Chicago is plagued by rampant homelessness and people who have been broken by poverty and neglect. We talk with Dr. Marge Nikeza of the ministry Harmony, Hope, and Healing about the ways in which music helps to heal this population in need. Stay tuned. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nakeza. She's the founder and executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which is an organization in Chicago that provides creative, therapeutic, and educational music programs for emotional and spiritual support of the homeless and the underserved populations of women, children, and men in the Chicago area. The organization was founded in the year 2000 and was incorporated as a nonprofit organization in 2003. Harmony, Hope, and Healing collaborates with shelters and outreach programs to provide on-site programming, which offers the restorative power of music to those suffering from the adverse effects of homelessness, domestic violence, substance abuse, and isolation caused by aging or language barriers. At present, Harmony, Hope, and Healing serves 11 sites around the Chicago area among their neediest communities. Dr. Marge Nikeza, welcome to Things Not Seen. Thank you, David. It's wonderful to be here. Well, I, I would like to start out and ask a couple of questions about you and your own background. So you have a musical background yourself, is that correct? I do. I've been singing my entire life. I love to sing. I love to make music. I have a, a degree in music education and was grooming myself to be a music teacher and then met my voice teacher, Ann Perillo, as I was pursuing a master's in voice, and she said, you are an opera singer. So I studied opera for several years and, um, you know, enjoyed classical music, but then realized with my own family that I needed to pursue music in a different way. So then I became a uh, freelance musician. Actually, I sang in a Jewish temple for, for 10 years, and then in various churches around the city of Chicago. And so you trained as an opera singer. Yes. For for those of our listeners who have never had formal opera training, what goes on in, in being trained to be an opera singer? How is it different from being just sort of a regular singer in the shower, if you would? Oh. <laughs> well, you have to start in the shower. <laughs> but um, it's... It's a um, – I would almost uh, liken it to an aerobic exercise that the more you do it, the more confidence you gain as a singer. But there is a certain style as a classical singer and the repertoire you use. Um, and then your voice, I was considered a soprano, almost a spinto, a little heavier than a lyric soprano. And um, some roles that I was trained in – uh, via my teacher, was um, Musetta from the La Boheme, the opera La Boheme. 
Um, it, but it's it's a training and a style. Um, you start singing in various languages, so you learn German, Italian, French, and these roles that you create in the opera scene. So you had originally thought that you would be a music educator. Someone encouraged you to become an opera singer. Yes. You trained as an opera singer, but you chose eventually not to pursue opera as a career. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And and so you decided instead to go back into music education, or, or what was the path after you decided, maybe I won't be an opera singer? Well, uh, then I became a freelance musician around the city. So I worked in various churches and temples, also sang actually sang in a group called the Opera Tunists, uh, and we were a dinner show and um, sang with a friend of mine, Sharon Carlson, who's on WTTW, sometimes um, works at Columbia College. So we just sang wherever a song was needed and then moved into – people heard me singing, and so then I moved into the area of singing for funerals and weddings I guess I would probably say that on the south side of Chicago, I was one of the first women who sang for funerals when it was a time where only men were singing. And now you mostly hear women singing, so it's it's very interesting. From there, started singing, got involved in the Archdiocese of Chicago on their music staff as a volunteer, and then really went back to my roots, which was St. Linus Church and then became the music director there. So I put my music education as well as my classical training and my my ministry as a musician into play as a music director. You mentioned a moment ago that in addition to being a music director and, and a person who sang at funerals on the South Side, you also sang in some interfaith contexts, and you mentioned specifically that you had you had sung in Jewish temples and synagogues. What was it like? Because you're you're a person who comes from a Christian background. Yes. What was it like being uh, a performer in that alternate faith context? Well, I have to clarify that actually it was a temple that I worked at, and it was Temple Kolami. And it was a reformed temple that um, my voice teacher, who was um, training me to be an opera singer, had also worked there. And they needed another soprano. And um, I started singing for the High Holy Days. I learned so much about the Old Testament through Jewish eyes. And I fell in love with the congregation and I do believe they fell in love with me, so much so it was a time where uh, my children were being born. So uh, many times I would come to temple. I have three sons, and probably um, three times I was there. They could tell that I was pregnant even before I announced it to everyone because we were so in sync with one another. Uh, they taught me so much about being a person of faith. And you know what? The beauty of it was is that they they knew who I was. I was an Irish Catholic woman. Uh, by the way, my, my maiden name's O'Connell. So I was an Irish Catholic woman that worked in this Jewish temple. 
and um, who really wanted to share my gift of music, but was willing to also teach me how this, how how I can serve you. And so they, the rabbi actually worked with me on the the Jewish translation, the Hebrew translations. Um, we did transliterations. And I fell in love with Hebrew scripture. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen, and I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nakeza. She's the founder and executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which is a ministry of music towards the homeless in the Chicago area. You mentioned that you uh, sang at a temple uh, here in the Chicago area. But our listeners may not understand exactly what that means. If they've sung in choirs, they may not they may not grasp exactly what it means to be invited to sing in a temple. So, could you describe briefly what what a professional temple singer or a, 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 a cantor, I believe, is the term? Right. What they do and and what the obligations are, and sort of how you are involved in a in a Jewish worship service. Right. Well, because I am not Jewish, um, I was not really considered a cantor. Um, I do have to say um, the temple that I worked with was a Reformed temple. It was Rabbi Kaiman, Arnold Kaiman, who did some very beautiful and uh, important interfaith work in the city of Chicago. Uh, this temple shared the room with the Christian Science Room, and so it was. It was not a, a traditional temple. Rabbi Kaiman and the congregation would have their high holy days actually at the Knickerbocker Hotel. It was a beautiful, powerful moment in my life to be able to witness and to be a part of this this tradition that I was a novice and yet they welcomed me as a professional singer. So as a professional singer, you walk in and you would learn the repertoire because you can read music and and because you've learned all these different languages, you can pick up another language. But the finesse of leading the song prayer was the blessing. Um, my father was a singer and always sang in the choir. And so he, you know, instilled in me to use the gifts. So I I knew how to share the song of faith. But then to put it in the context of a temple and uh, the Jewish faith, I mean, we know Jesus came from the Jewish faith. So for me, it was just this this connection, a deeper connection. At the time, I have to say it was the 80s and, and the uh, Chicago Catholic community was looking at the language of cantor as opposed to song leader. And because I was in the Archdiocesan Music Program, we actually took people from the Cantor School, from the Archdiocese, to the temple to, to, to learn more about this. So the connection. I think one of my, my roles is to be a, a connector. And so um, in that, I, I feel that the humility that is needed to say, I don't know, can you teach me? Am I saying this correctly? Am I singing this correctly? But I believe the intention of the prayer 
the sung prayer is the utmost responsibility. And so from that work uh, in in doing sort of, I guess we could call it interfaith work uh, yes. between your Catholic background and your musical training and then moving towards uh, this this Jewish uh, context of, of prayer, what did you learn uh, from from being in those two contexts, you said you learned a little bit about, or a great deal about, the Old Testament uh, from being in the in the Jewish context. What other lessons did you pull from from that time? Ritual and community, the rituals of of the Sabbath, and yet I still feel I'm such a novice at it. So I don't want to claim that I know it all, but to be privileged to lead the sung prayer at Sabbath. And to realize the community that gathers together at at very important times. From there, I I was moving forward, and the uh, position came as a music director. And then I realized um, things were changing. Um, actually, Rabbi Kaiman then left, and I'm not sure if the congregation is still meeting. Um, the community was getting older, and um, I just moved forward and held them in my heart and and honored the fact that they taught me so much. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nikeza. Dr. Nikeza is the founder and executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which is a music ministry in the Chicagoland area, which serves the homeless population, the men and women and children who are in shelters across the city. They currently work at 11 sites, and we're speaking today both about her own religious background and her work with this organization. We'll be back in a moment. Hey there, listeners. I want to take a moment and tell you about our partner for producing this show, the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. It sounds like an old-timey name, and that's because it's an old-timey organization. They got started in 1908 doing live events here in the Chicago downtown area. In the 1920s, they went coast-to-coast on the radio, and in the 1950s, they started out as one of the first religious television programs anywhere ever. And they're still doing radio and television. In addition to co-producing this program, the Sunday Evening Club makes regular hour-long documentaries for PBS that focus on issues like violence, immigration reform, health care, and more, highlighting the good work being done by faith communities as they try to make these situations better for the people of Chicago. You can find out more about the Sunday Evening Club and watch and listen to all the programs they've been producing for more than 70 years at their website, csec.org. That's csec.org. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nikeza. Dr. Nikeza is the founder and the current executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which is a ministry here in the Chicagoland area which serves homeless populations with a ministry of music. So for the last decade plus, you have been involved in a ministry called Harmony, Hope, and Healing. For the benefit of our listeners, why don't you describe briefly what the big idea is there in that organization? So Harmony, Hope, and Healing is, as you mentioned, a creative, therapeutic, and educational music program. We say um, in our mission statement, we offer emotional and spiritual support to homeless and underserved individuals We start with women because we started actually with women about 16 years ago, 
And then we started working with our children and then eventually started working with men. And the context of that is if our families are going to heal, men also need to be a part of it. But we provide on-site music programs for individuals who are living in shelters. We also do work in uh, several community outreach programs, but primarily shelters. And it started at St. Martin de Porras House of Hope, which is a recovery shelter for women and their children. And as I said, I was a music director in a parish and realized there was more to this music. So uh, what then I started to um, investigate, what did I need to do? And so then I started working on a degree in pastoral studies and enveloped my musical uh, ministry into the studies and wound up taking a class called uh, Social Ethics in the Catholic Tradition and from there moved on to working in a program called Women Ministry in the City. And that's where I began the work at St. Martin de Porras. Uh, it was in the summer of 2000. I thought I was going to stay the summer and move on with my life. Sixteen years later, and 11 sites later, we are now Harmony, Hope, and Healing. I knew there was much more to this music than just being a pretty voice and inviting people into the prayer, that there was healing going on with the women as they sang their songs. There was healing going on as people were recovering from the transition of being on the street, dealing with drugs, trying to get a home, a job, trying to get your family together, trying to actually bring your children back in your life. And not that HHH, which at the time in 2000 was just a dream, that this music program would be a benefit, only to find out that we're considered one of the wraparound services as people are transitioning and coming to a place where they know they need to make changes in their lives. We then can be one of the services as they holistically, as they're looking at their change. Music can help be the tool. You mentioned a moment ago that they consider you one of the wraparound services. Who's the they and what does wraparound service mean? <laughs> yes. Okay. So the they is uh, the communities, the organizations that we serve, the agencies. So we're at St. Martin de Porras House of Hope, the Institute of Women Today, St. Leonard's Ministries. We're at Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. We're at St. Ignatius Spirituality Project. Each of these agencies will have various organizations in their agency. For instance, St. Leonard's has um, Grace House, St. Leonard's House. We serve the three of those organizations. We are one of the many different agencies or organizations that serve their participants. So you had an idea during, yes. during a, what sounds like a summer internship. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You had an idea, a vision for an organization, and you you decided that you were going to start to move in, in the direction of, of creating this organization? Or what was the step between, 
oh, I'm doing an internship. This is an interesting idea to actually starting to put boots on the ground and shoe leather towards building something like this. Yes. Well, I thought I was going to stay the summer. Well, then we weren't ready really. We were going to wrap up the summer with a concert and all of a sudden it moved into the fall season. So in October, we gave a concert um, actually at the the church right next to the shelter. And at that point, we had 75 women and children living in the shelter. And Sister Connie Driscoll, who is now um, deceased, she died in 2005, and Sister Teresa O'Sullivan were there. And I'll never forget, at the end of the concert, Sister Connie Driscoll, and anyone who ever knew her, was she was a very, she was a force in the city of Chicago for homelessness. And I saw her get up after the concert, fold her arms, and I could tell she had been crying. And by the way, she had a patch over one eye. So um, she was one of these women that was a very strong presence. And she got up there with her voice and said, I'm speechless. And I said, if I can make Sister Connie speechless. There is something larger than me happening here. In the meantime, the Sisters of Mercy heard what I was doing. And um, and so then Sister Ruth Mutchler, who was the executive director of the Institute of Women Today, said, would you come there? The story is phenomenal. I really thought at that point this was going to be my volunteer work and I was going to go on with my life. Well, before we get into into that momentum, yes, um, you you had a population of seventy five women and children in the shelter. Is that yes. correct? And then you helped to mount this event that was supposed to be at the end of the summer, but ended up spilling into the fall. Yes. And this concert, let us see that concert through your eyes. So, how many of the seventy five women and children were involved, and then what what was it like? And and if you recall, what were some of the songs that were sung? So paint that picture for oh, us. Oh, can I tell you, David? <laughs> First of all, I borrowed coral robes from the, the parish that I live in, Holy Redeemer. They were they were silver. I don't want to say gray. They were silver with these red uh, scarves. So each one of the women wore these beautiful silver and red colored garb. Their children all wore, because they were mostly from the public school, had blue pants on or their blue, they wore their uniforms. There was a buzz in the, in the church and everyone participated. Even the children who didn't live in the shelter, their mothers had to come and be a part of it. We saw, sang songs, the children sang songs like, every person is a gift of God. Uh, I will walk in the presence of God. We we sang the days of the week to the Macarena. Um, I had a child. I taught him piano lessons. He played Mozart. Well, Mozart's version of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So much so his mother was so excited that she made him wear a tie with his three-button-down shirt. He looked elegant and ready to perform. 
a woman composed her own song. Another woman had played the piano as a child, revisited Feralise, and she got up there and played it. My friend accompanied, who was the music director at the parish that we borrowed the robes from, and I guess one of the highlights was one of the women who sang His Eye is on the Sparrow. And that song then has really become a mantra and part of our repertoire. Every time a, a person will come in and will say, well, my favorite song, and I'm waiting for it, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And it has evolved through the years. This woman has gone on to get a master's degree from Northwestern. So this was a homeless woman who now has gone on to get a master's degree from Northwestern in music? Not in music. Okay. But she has moved on to be a force in her community. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nikeza. She's the founder and executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which works across the Chicagoland area at 11 different sites, offering music ministry and healing opportunities for underserved and homeless populations of men, women, and children. And so it sounds like this was impactful not only for the one uh, sister that you mentioned, the nun with the eye patch, (laughs) and not only impactful for you, but it was also impactful for the people that participated. It's incredible. How soon was it that you that you discovered that impact? Was it immediate, or did was it over the next few days you began to realize, oh, something happened here? Sort of when when did it really dawn on you that this was that this was a, a force that that was that had its own momentum? I still look back at the photos, and I can feel the energy of that day. There was something very powerful that happened uh, for many people. And I will tell you that one of the women who unfortunately had to come back to the shelter after 16 years showed up two weeks ago, and she still remembers that day. It was a powerful, powerful moment for many people, and you realize these God moments that, you know, I may be directing the choir And in fact, I had a woman who was pregnant at the time directing the choir, one of the pieces too. Um, It it birthed harmony, hope, and healing. It was really a a birthing. And really, I I was, I always say, um, I used to say, you know, people would say to me, oh, Marge, you know, you helped birth this organization. I said, oh, no, no, no. I was one of the midwives. And there is a collection and a group of people, and the spirit was so alive that it it has grown and developed much larger than me. I, I feel so blessed to be a part of this organization and to be one of the many people who have helped to give birth. So you have this, this moment when you have a concert back in 2000 that you thought was going to be a one-off concert. And then suddenly you have nuns coming to you and saying, I'd like to have this happen at my parish. I'd like to have this happen with my organization. Is, is that kind of how it happened? You began to get people pushing you to do more. I would say yes, but it wouldn't really be in parishes. It would be in these outreach communities and shelters. 
and really it i guess i probably pushed a little too <laughs> but it it's such a god story you can't believe and i probably could talk hours about this i i have been very aware of of the needs of of community so uh, and helping people in need so my mother was a nurse and my father uh while he had he was an insurance salesman. He he was actually a pilot at one time in the Korean War, but he his claim to fame for me and and for many people would be he was one of the founders of the Greater Chicago Food Depository, and um, I believe HHH is um, a part of that. You can feed people, but this is another way of feeding people, helping emotionally, spiritually. Uh, intellectually, but giving voice to people, and and really, I don't. We don't give voice; they give voice to themselves. We just create the safe place where they can rediscover their voice. At one time, I thought this was, was just going to be about the performance, but it is not. It is really not about the performance. And at that point, there was a juncture where someone had asked me to create these concerts, do it once a year. And and I said, oh, no, no, no. This is about weekly showing up, daily being at a shelter. Forty weeks out of the year, we're at St. Martin de Porres at IWT. Uh, sometimes it's 20 weeks, but we make commitments to the organizations, to the agencies to be there. People will come and go. We will be there bringing music and song, this safe place where you can sing and listen and play drums and create this space that you can heal. So earlier in the conversation, in the Jewish context that you were singing in, you said that one of the things that you really learned from that was the power of ritual and community. When when you were asked to do a once-a-year concert and you said, no, no, it's not about that. It's about showing up every week and you say 40 weeks out of the year, you're at St. Martin de Porres, you're at these other sites at regular points. What I'm hearing you saying is that you saw the need for these people in extremity to have ritual, regularity that they could depend on, and community. They know that they're going to be a part of something that will be there from week to week and from month to month. Am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. You know – Programs come and go, and many times it's when when funding, you know, relinquishes while we have to leave. And that's actually why I started the nonprofit, because I knew the organizations we serve have to put bread and butter on the table, pay the electric bill, and saying, no, we need to start this nonprofit. And there were a group of us who said, this is an important ministry that can serve many people and help them. And what we recognize, the people we serve, we say homeless and underserved, I would say probably 99%, if not 100% of the people we serve have gone through some traumatic experience, some social crisis, homelessness, addictions, poverty, living in neighborhoods filled with violence. And I, I just went likened to, like tonight, being at St. Leonard's house, men coming out of prison, all right, and finding a safe place where I can 
you know, play a drum, play a chime, sing a song, listen to a song I heard when I was a kid. I had a young man come up to me two weeks ago who said, Marge, this reminds me when I was a kid. I have, had, I have not had so much fun with music, you know, since I was a kid. I, and he grew up. You knew he grew up. He probably was, you know, um, had adult responsibilities at the age of 12, uh, found himself. I don't even know his story. And that's another piece. We don't need to know your story. You have your social worker will will be in connection with the social worker, their psychologist, their um, you know their case manager. What we find is you don't need to tell us your story. For an hour here, can you enjoy this music? Can you move along? Can you breathe? Listen to the songs. Take time to breathe. Get in touch with yourself. Know that. You can sing. Another story was uh, a guy walked in and um, he, you know, he, he's like, what's going on here? And all of a sudden somebody said, um, well, how are you doing today? And he said, it's my birthday. And everybody just started singing happy birthday. <laughs> he's like, he's moved on. And when he was in another program that I was at, he introduced the program HHH to his other community by saying, they sang happy birthday to me on my first day with HHH. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and we're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nikesa. She's the founder and current executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which is a 16-year ministry in the Chicago area that serves currently 11 sites bringing music ministry and support and healing to homeless and underserved populations of men, women, and children. We'll be back in a moment. Each week we hear from listeners like you who write in to tell us that they love the show, and a lot of you ask us what you can do to help support us. Well, first of all, thank you for listening. The number one thing you can do to help support us is to tell your friends about the show. That word of mouth is so incredibly important. And if you listen to us through iTunes, there's a second thing you can do. They give you the means to give reviews to the show, and it would be fantastic if you took a moment to write a review for us. I hear five stars are very popular. You can also give us money. Earlier in the show, I mentioned that we work with the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. So many good things come from that partnership, but one of the best by far is that your donations are tax deductible. You can find out more about supporting us at our website, thingsnotseenradio.com, and at csec.org, the website for the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. Thank you for your support, and thank you, as always, for listening. We really do appreciate it. This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Marge Nikesa. In the year 2000, she founded Harmony, Hope, and Healing in the Chicago area as a ministry to the homeless populations and those at most risk and most in need of community and structure. And so now she does a music ministry across 11 sites with this organization, serving populations from across the Chicagoland area. Well, so, Dr. Nikesa, when a person is in need of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, this organization, 
and they hear about it and they hear, oh, it's a place where you get together and sing. What actually do they encounter? I mean, it's more than just concerts, obviously. So what what are some of the structured activities for the different age populations that they can expect to encounter? And what will a person become involved in when they join the, the organization? Well, I have to say that most of the time the people and the participants, we call them participants, um, get involved in us is when they decide to make a transition. So they're living in the various communities, whether it be St. Martin's, St. Leonard's, and um, the Institute of Women Today, which is Maria Shelter or the Senior Center. So they join the group, the agency. Then in the making this commitment, they find out. Many times they don't know until they get there. Oh, there's music. I found, well, I originally, because you heard my story, I was such a performer. And like God is saying, this is not about the performance, Marge. This is about the healing. And so I then went on to study cross-cultural healing music. And for four years, it was a course of study at the Open Ear Center in Seattle, Washington, and went out there several times a year and then had my own practice of studying the cross-cultural healing music and the therapeutic effects of music and studied with Pat Moffat Cook. And in 2007, then received um, a certificate from the Open Ear Center. In the meantime, we're at all these different sites you know, and I'm recognizing this, the power of the healing power of music um, and the power of what is happening with HHH and the people we're serving, saying, I want to put this in the context of ministry and accompaniment. So, uh, and how we provide the music depends upon the community. So, for instance, St. Martin's, Maria Shelter, believe, have women and families. So um, at St. Martin's, where we started, I'll start there. We have an adult music class, a children's music class uh, for children who come after school, come back to the shelter. We'll have music for them. They actually have a preschool on site for the children who um, are in preschool and family connected to the shelter. Um, So we have preschool music. And then we also have a parent-child class. And I think that's a real important class, the parent-child, because as the women are recovering, so are the children, and we're helping to bring, you know, bonds in a different way. They can have parenting classes, but this is a fun, easy way to have a parenting class through music. For instance, at uh, Believe, which is a part of the Institute of Women today that I talked about, Believe is one of the only intact family shelters. There's not too many of them in the city of Chicago. We provide a music class, and there, intact families who are homeless can live there. And on Monday nights, they will have music. So you might have a husband and wife with um, their child. They'll come to music. And we've had it where a single husband, a single father, 
is raising their child. They'll come to music. We also find that in our children's program, which is an after-school program, uh, we're at the Maria Culpa Center, which is in the Chicago Lawn community. Uh, we had a, a program when they were not providing music classes. And now they've grown and have other music classes. So we're going to look and say, really, is our need there anymore when they've grown? We're in places where the music class would not be provided. So if our population, for instance, at St. Leonard's House is for men, it's an adult program. We work with their high school. So when people hear we're at a high school, they, oh, they think of, um, you know, teenagers. But the high school that we serve are for adults. So we work with, it's called the Sister Jean Hughes High School, and we're in a program called Arts, Always Ready to Succeed, and HHH is a part of that curriculum. So that is the, the intention is we have a, a curriculum that is age appropriate. It's also gender appropriate. And um, in the context of what's going on in the world, in the community, and building community, creating this safe place. And then it happens that, hey, we're performing. Who would like to go? This is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Dr. Marge Nikeza. She's the founder and executive director of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, which works across the Chicagoland area at 11 different sites, offering music ministry and healing opportunities for underserved and homeless populations of men, women, and children. In in the ministries of Harmony, Hope, and Healing, say that they're they're in the Chicago area, what are some of the skill sets that you need from volunteers and also for listeners who may not be in the Chicago area who want to to uh, to contribute in some way, what are the things that you most need? Oh. Well, you know small nonprofits what they need. Finances are, are difficult. People who look at us will say, you know, we're very lean and small. We're very grassroots. But we're growing and um, becoming uh, an important presence in the city of Chicago. I need to go back to say another real important part of what we have in our programming is our internship program. So people who have gone through the program can then become um, an intern with us and then in turn um, will come help co-facilitate programs for instance, we have someone at the high school with us who's just starting as an intern. We have someone who works at Maria's shelter who's gone through the program. They become interns and then program assistants. So that's a whole other level of programming that I didn't explain before. So let me make sure that that's clear. So yes. someone who has come through as a person at risk and who has benefited from working with Harmony, Hope, and Healing has the opportunity after they've they've been part of the the, the program – to then come and work for the program as an intern and then from that graduate to become a, a program assistant or I, I forget exactly the term. Right. It's a program assistant and ensemble member. So uh, – and that group, it's a small group. Right now we have uh, – actually there's 13 of us on staff and seven are former participants and 
five are program assistants, and two are interns. And is the intention of this not only to help people through transitions, but also as they as they gain more confidence, they have opportunities to gain marketable skills, it sounds like. Is that, Absolutely. Is that the idea behind that? Yes. And um, I will tell you it's a part-time – the internship is two 10-week sessions, and then you can move forward after that and, and mentorship – it gives you the skills to move forward. It gives you more opportunities to be mentors for the participants. It also gives you opportunities to um, tell your story and gr- gain more confidence in your being as part of a member of society. I will tell you that majority of our program assistants are going to school, going to college, and or they have jobs, they're doing many, many, many different activities to help better themselves, their families, and their communities. And so it sounds like more than 15 years on that this program is becoming a success uh, and has been a success that has impacted the lives of people who were at great extremity in our society and has helped them to reorient themselves to become productive members of society. Where do you go from here? What's next? God knows. Right now, as I said, we're a small organization. I have a wonderful and very powerful woman who is our assistant director, who is actually the program director, Ms. Tina Villapando, who has been working with us five years. She and I are the only two full-time people. Everybody else is part-time. We, of course, we always, we do need another person, a full-time professional person, but uh, we're not equipped to do that yet. The board, in its um, wisdom, we have decided to hire a, a director of development who's helping to pull all the pieces together. Again, she's a young woman out of college. Actually, she just received her master's. Her name is Becky Dugan. So we have this wonderful, young, vivacious women who are giving their hearts to HHH and helping to move this organization to another level. We have people um, like our part-time a business manager who was also part of the board, you know, who brings her wisdom. But together, the synergy of what is needed, a fantastic board who um, is getting other people involved. Our Our biggest concern is getting the message out about this work. We would love to have people learn more about us on various levels, whether it be, you know, Come hear the choir sing, but get to know us more. We sing at Old St. Pat's once a month. If you can support us and the work we do, we are the small nonprofit in the eyes of the world, are very small, but some people would say we're a gem, we're a light. People that we work with are, are dealing with such darkness and um, have such a long road to recovery. And if 
we can be the light and to be a part of that light in joining us in any way as a volunteer, as a supporter. Sing with us. We have rehearsals once a month actually at our office, which happens to be at the Social Concerns Building. Learn more about us. Read about us on website. We're on Facebook. You know, we try to get out to social media. Friend us. Be our friend. (laughs) After a decade and a half of this work, what frustrates you the most? Are we enough? Um, There's so much sadness And, you know, you think after so many years, are we going to end homelessness? No. God knows what is needed. Um, Are we making a difference? Are we, you know, people would say, oh, isn't it nice, that little choir, you know, or, and actually in the beginning, you know, this, it's music. It's just this, I, I don't want to consider it fluff. But, um, you know, isn't that nice? But are you really being of service? And especially when people hear the performance, they'll think, wow, that's beautiful, but just consider us a choir. And I I have to say that I had a a volunteer who came to one of our programs and said, isn't it a shame you have the choir? (laughs) Because people don't see the depth of this work. And that's the frustration is you know, trying to explain it, but until you experience it on a deeper level, you won't understand the frustration of, um, of course, there's never enough, and are we ever enough, and um, and the demands, once you do, people do hear of you, can you come here, can you do this, we could use you, can you do this, um, I mean, we could be all around the city um, and still not be enough. And that's where I have to say, God will provide, but we will do our work to be the best organization and be of the best service we can be in this city and um, and help. Th- there are many frustrations, and yet I think, David, you can see I'm a pretty positive person, and I have to say I can it reminds me of Henry now and saying, you know, he has uh, in one of his books, Our Call. We are not called to save all the people and solve all the problems. And when we start looking at all the depressing things, we can get even more depressed ourselves. And I know that. I mean, we all have dealt with certain issues and, and felt helpless. But hear the word call. And, and I, I don't know if I'm going to quote this right, but what he said in gist is, we are all called. And the word called is very important. And our faithfulness to the smallest task, Harmony, Hope, and Healing, can be the most healing response to the illnesses of our time. Our faithfulness to the smallest task. Oh, it's just a little music program. No. It can be the most healing response to the illnesses of our time. At least for us, in harmony, hope, and healing. 
Well, Dr. Marge Nikesa, it has been a great pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you for taking a few minutes to tell us about your work in Harmony, Hope, and Healing. Thank you, David. We've been speaking today with Dr. Marge Nikesa. In the year 2000, she founded the organization Harmony, Hope, and Healing as a ministry here in the Chicago area towards the homeless population. The organization now works in 11 sites around the city, uh, dealing with those who are at the greatest extremity in our society, uh, bringing them uh, ritual and community in the context of musical performance and musical instruction. If you'd like to find out more about Harmony, Hope, and Healing, please visit our website at thingsnotseenradio.com. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media, LLC, with the support of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the studios of the Chicago Sunday Evening Club here in the Chicago Loop. Our theme music is composed by Gene Kija. David Dalt engineered the show. Kim Tron and David Dalt did the editing. Our staff includes Travis Abels, David J. Dunn, Natasha Alford, and Alexander Batnock. Katie Scroggin is our senior producer. You can follow us on Twitter at Not Seen Radio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and to find out more about upcoming guests. That's facebook.com slash things not seen radio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and learn more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.